Hackers. My name is Dominic Norton, and I'm the podcast host of Hackathon Entertainment, the show where we bring you the story behind every hack. For those new to the show, or hackathons in general, a hackathon is a collaborative 48-hour event where participants, called hackers, come together to solve the world's toughest problems. You'll be surprised, excited, and amazed with the solutions people are developing all across the globe. If you listened to the show before, you'll be excited to know we're in for another great one. In this episode, I talked to serial entrepreneur Rohan Jilks, the founder of Lawn Tribe, Wet Shave Club, Maze in Black, and Launch 27. Rohan has helped hundreds of companies launch and grow by using his experiences as a successful entrepreneur to help new entrepreneurs debunk the myths of starting a business from the reality. There are so many gems that will provide you value in this episode if you dare to use them. I hope you enjoy the show. So I guess a good place to start is to share with people who are you and how did your journey begin? Yeah, so Rohan Jokes, I, um, out of college, I was into accounting and finance. So I did accounting and finance for 12 years, 12 years up to like 2012 or so. And, um, but I had gotten laid off from my job. You know, it was kind of like the, the downturn in, in the market. And I knew I had to find to support myself outside of a job. So I started reading everything I could read on internet marketing and starting online businesses because I knew that that was something that I could do with very little startup capital because I had very, very little startup capital. Uh, my first business, I started 450 bucks. That's, that's what I had. Um, so I knew that I could, um, it had to be something online. And I just started looking for different opportunities and a bunch of different things like eBay affiliates and Amazon affiliates. And, well, actually, I can't remember for Amazon. But eBay for sure. And this other system, ANS, which was another program. And But during that time, I was learning basically how to build traffic and how to build content and how to make sales. And uh, my first big business, actually, funny enough, was a residential home cleaning business that I set up to operate like, um, I set up to, to operate like more tech forward with a mobile app and um, credit card processing and all those things that you see. And that business did really well. I grew it to like two million, three million dollars per year, actually. And, um, and that was really my beginning to, to, to figuring out tech and starting to build, um, more software driven companies. Yeah. Kind of the backstory. (laughs) And that's particularly interesting because you said you started with, and you, you was coming from, and, uh, you was coming from something that's relatively technical 
and you started a cleaning business and especially like me coming from engineering it's not something people from technical fields will traditionally think that oh let's go start a cleaning business or let's go start you know something relatively simple what what made you decide a cleaning business yeah so uh, yeah and you're absolutely right it's not what you would typically think of but i can remember that um one of my home cleaners at the time like before i got laid off um i i used to work with a lady that would come and you know and clean my home and 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 um she wanted a, a website for her business but i started to think you know i could build her a website but it would just sit there because it requires, you know, marketing and customer yes. acquisition knowledge yeah. and conversion optimization and SEO. It requires all of these things to make it useful. Yeah. So I thought, you know what, I could, I could build a web and I could then get the jobs and have her and other people do them. So that's really how, how it came to me that I could just do that. And plus, I needed something that would make real money. I, I couldn't build... I didn't have the luxury of building something, some like great fantasy idea of mine or something. I needed to, to make money like right now. And so that's how I started. Um, and it worked out. That company has since done over $15 million. And I know nothing about the space, but what I do was how to kind of get uh, customers online for, for your business. Because I had to kind of access that with other platforms. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, there's a key there that you knew nothing about the space was you, because, because uh, a lot of the times if you go to VCs or if you go to the bank and they kind of want you to be a quote unquote industry expert before coming to them. But in the business you entered, you knew nothing about the space, but you didn't need to know anything about the space, did you? Exactly, and you're absolutely right. No, I did not. I need because and what I figured out now that I've built multiple different businesses, that people are people. Like like the process of creating a website or landing page that is appealing, writing copy that engages the customer, and having a smooth way for that person to pull out their credit card and make a make a purchase. That process does not change that much depending on your industry, or at least it doesn't change as much as people think. So for me, once I kind of figured that process out, I was going on to build other million dollar businesses or multi-million dollar businesses because I realized the thing is, is it almost doesn't matter what, what they get after the checkout because the process that happens before it is largely the same. And I've kind of used that to build everything from software to product to service to travel, like multiple different industries. Yeah. And the focus for you is more traffic content sales than any amazing tech, blockchain, AI, whatever buzzword or whatever platform is. is the main thing is the offering and how you're going to get people there. Is that what you focus on? Yes, absolutely. For me, it's like it's like content. Um, 
content product sale. So a lot of people do product content, but I think content first. So I very often, and and that's actually how we even ended up on this call is I put out and even just for the sake of putting content out, because I know the process of putting content out, it one, it builds a credibility, but two, it helps to build audiences. Mm-hmm. And, and it helps to build audiences sometimes for products that you don't even know gonna end up building. So I, I start with content, build community, build an audience. And then I can say, oh, this is the type of things that, that this audience needs. Let me go build and then and let me come back. And because I've already built this community and nurtured them and they already trust me and I've already done things to instill their trust, then the product of them purchasing something from me is not a very low hurdle for that. Yeah. So that's why for all of my businesses, I build a community around them very often, even before the business has started. Is that a slow process? Say again? Is that a slow process, building a community? Does that take months, years, or can it take weeks and a month? Because, like, do it in parallel with what you're building. I feel like, like, whatever time that is, is going to be right. So if you're building something that you can get out the gate 30 days or so, then that 30 days of, of building community, it's fine. If you're building something that requires you to work on it once, then the hurdle is probably higher for people. That means that that six months of also building community, it'll be fine. So for me, just how long does, does, does it take for you to build the thing and put it out to sale? While you're building it, also be building community at the same time. And so that's kind of how I think about it. So, um, and that works. I mean, and am I building by building community? That could just mean building a Facebook group and inviting demographic and asking them what they think about product as you're building it, seeing where they're having challenges with their work or, you know, just, just depends on what you're building. Yeah. So just having those conversations as you're building is really, really valuable. Yeah. And I saw on your website that you think business plans are a joke. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the reason why I got that mindset was when I first got laid off, I would I would kind of do the, do the whole traditional thing. Well, I want to build a business. Let me build a business plan. And my business plan will like take three months or four months of, of like nonsense. And then um, it seems like what we should be doing. But what I've realized is whatever we're trying to learn or predict or prepare for for a business plan, we can learn and, and, and prepare for after we start because most of the learning most of the accurate learning happens after you start so i just want to limit the before process that before part is a like to me like exciting um the after you start driving process is where the learning happens so i do like a one-page business plan i say these are my customers here are where they spend most of their time here's the content that they like to consume and let me get to putting something out to them and, and going from there. Yeah. Yeah. 
that leads into the market you spoke about, the customers and, and some other components. Why do you believe the market is never saturated? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sounds a really good question. <laughs> so I feel like, man, unless you're sell- selling like the beers, diamonds or... Or is a cable like you're selling utilities that have these like actual monopolies? For the most part, there is room for other people in almost whatever industry you can think of. So I like to use the example of gas stations. Like people don't ever say, "Well, the gas station market is saturated because there's a gas station on almost every major corner." But people never say that because it isn't. Sometimes there's like two gas stations on one corner. Um, people are going to um, make their choices. They're going to spend money on what they absolutely need. And I would rather build a gas station where I know people need that and trying to say, okay, I have to build something that nobody else is doing. Because in my mindset, if nobody else is doing it, either I'm the most, I'm the smartest person on earth, the only person to think about this thing, or it's probably not a good idea. And- and I take the thing, you know what? I'm not the smartest person on, on earth. It's probably not a good idea. I would rather remove the risk of building something that nobody wants instead build something that I know millions of people want and I just have to create my version of that. Yeah. Why do you believe lots of people lean to trying to build something very unique that nobody has built before? So, so um, I, I think there's really two main reasons. One of it is just conditioning. So as we are, you know, as we're growing up, as we are, you know, going through college or high school, we're thinking, you know, be, be unique, be creative. Um, if you want to build a business that you don't want to have, you want to build something else is doing, you don't want too much competition. So, so there is this like conditioning that happens from the time that we're young around originality, right? So there's that. The second thing is just, I think, fear. So we take that conditioning and then we say, you know what, that conditioning is right. And in order to reduce my risk of failure, I'm going to make sure I don't have that much because I don't have the confidence to think that I can compete with, with like something like, why would somebody buy my hamburger? Um, how am I going to compete with McDonald's? Like, that's the type of stuff that, that we tell ourselves. And you're it's saying... True. It's not true. And you're saying that, actually, you can compete with McDonald's. You might not be McDonald's, but there's plenty of other burger companies. Yes. There's plenty of other burger companies. That there's more burger companies coming along every day. Yeah. And, and, there's, and there's enough people that... Your little burger shack can bring you in a million dollars per year, support your family, um, and allow you to go on to do um, other things as well. So build a burger shack, sell the t-shirts, even though Amazon is selling t-shirts. doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, that leads into our next next question. Can you talk a little bit about your your first SaaS company. So was the was the uh, cleaning company your first SaaS company or was that your first company, period? So that was my first kind of successful company. But um, I had started a bunch of other things that I tried to make money. So the first one was a cleaning company. 
And because I built the cleaning company in a more tech forward way, yeah. I had to build my own software to manage the cleaning company. Yeah. And then I was growing so quickly, like working and other companies were like, man, we would love to use your software. So I was like, Hmm, <laughs> I could turn this software yeah. into a SaaS. And that's what I did. Um, and a bunch of people signed on and then that, that became my first SaaS, SaaS company. Yeah. And do you think that's a good strategy to, to basically, rather than you might have, I don't know, some talented students that are good at tech and rather than them trying to build a software and sell the software, try and build the company. And because your company outperforms other companies, they're going to ask you, what are you doing? You say, yeah, we have this great software. We can license this out to you. Do you think that's a more effective strategy than just building the software and trying to license it? So I think that um, I think that for people building SaaS, I mean that's one strategy. But instead of like instead of building the the um, the uh, like the underlying company first, you can just go straight to build the SaaS. But but you have to build it either. In, like in consultation with someone that was me at the beginning, meaning someone that's actually in the industry that you're building for. So if you, so say you're building SaaS for like um, SaaS or an accountant or something, some type of software. I would want to build that in, in well, like find two or three accountants and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to build. I'm going to solve all your challenges. Um, if you just work with me over the next three or six months or so to kind of tell me exactly what you need. And at the end of that period, I just give you a free account. Okay. That, that means so, so that person is going to tell you, tell you like they're going to tell you, huh? So I, I was sorry. I was saying that makes total sense, but it makes total sense, but it's not the way traditionally that we really think about it. And especially you, you've mentioned accountants, but Obviously, you have huge accountant firms, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. I think you're talking about the small businesses, right? Yes. I'm talking about the small businesses that you can find them on Twitter. You can tweet them right now and they're going to respond. Yeah, I'm talking about those businesses. And there is literally hundreds of thousands of them around the world. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what I Yeah. And what are your attitudes to towards venture capital? And maybe I should throw in the another question joint joint with that. So you bootstrapped your companies, and I did see you did have experiences with investors. So I guess one question is: What are your attitudes and experiences towards investors and venture capital? And the other question attached to that is what is bootstrapping and how do you do that effectively? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my, my thought, so, so there's, you know, a couple different ways that you can get money f- for building your business. Um, one, you could bootstrap and that essentially means that your customers are effectively paying for you to build your product, meaning that you get, some small um, amount of money to start, you market and get your first 
couple customers and the revenue that they pay you, you use to continuously build the business. And so you, as you're growing the business, you're getting more and more revenue and you can keep growing and growing and growing and growing. So that, that is, is how I built um, all of my businesses. Um, the other way is to say, hey, uh, let me go and find a VC and raise, you know, $500,000 or a million dollars or something and build that way. Now, the reason why, I don't think either one is, is essentially better or worse, but I, I kind of like just want as sick as possible with myself as I'm going after my goals. And I know that it's really hard for minority founders to get in, um, to find investment. Very difficult. Like I, I, I have, I'm now past $20 million mark across multiple businesses I've built and ever being able to raise a single penny of investment. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I know people that haven't done anything and have raised multiple millions more than once. Yeah. So in that reality, I, I, I can't wait for people to come along to try to save me. I have to say, what money do I have now? What resources do I have now? And what businesses match that those resources? So whatever I can build now, I'll start there. First business was a cleaning company because I could start there, a couple hundred bucks, and and I and then I could start. And then I kind of I, kind of, I bootstrap that, grew it, used other money to build something else, use use some of that to build something else, and that's how I did it. Um, because I, I I think that the likelihoods of me just waiting around for someone to invest in me is low. Not that either one is any better. Yeah. So let me get this right. You say, what resources do I have now? And try and find businesses that you can build that match those resources. So you can build a cleaning company with a couple hundred bucks, but you can't build a self-driving car startup with a couple bucks. Exactly. 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 Yes, and and I guess especially especially uh, in the region that you're currently located in, a lot of people are trying to build self driving cars, different stuff for the space industry, and these are people that don't have the capital to do that, so they're having to ask other people for the capital. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, that, and, and and this point is really important. So a lot of people say, this is what I want to build, try to find. What I do is say, this is the money I have. Let me go try to see what I can build. That difference is so critical if you want to get, make some progress. This is the money I have. Let me go see what I can build. There is a big universe of companies that you can build. You can start with less than $1,000. Yeah. There's no reason to wait. Yeah. I'm not going to live forever, so I'm not going to wait. Yeah. And do you do you think that's because we have glamorized and I say we but it's more like the media and I guess the the I guess celebrity entrepreneurs have glamorized entrepreneurship and being a business owner to follow your passion and think big when actually that's not the reality for most people. Yeah, um absolutely. Absolutely. When I first started the cleaning business, I posted on Hacker News 
thing. Like one of those websites. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, this is month four and I'm past $10,000 already. Yeah. At month five, right? And the responses were, well, you know, this won't scale. You, you will never get funding. So those are the types of responses. Like, they only think in this one track way. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't have to scale. I'm just in one city. Um, past $50 million now. And a lot of those folks that are on there, they're still on there. And they haven't done anything. Because they're still in this mindset that keeps them... It keeps them limited. It limits their opportunities. Versus me, I'm saying, show me the universe of opportunities, and I'm going to go after the one that I can execute on starting today. And by yeah, those folks, they're still on there. They haven't done anything. It's like five years, six years later. I've done 15 million in that time, and these folks, a lot of them, most of them, haven't done anything. So does that? <laughs> so, does yeah, we, we got like. Does your philosophy come from the way you was raised or does it come from your time working 12 years thinking you're going to be at this company forever or, you know, you're going to lead the company or be some big shot in the industry and then all of a sudden the market turns and and things just change for you? What what yeah. inspired your philosophies? Um, oh, yeah, so I'm originally from the Caribbean, so I feel like maybe, you know, and in the Caribbean, like, there's there's real poverty. Yeah. There's real yeah. poverty. And um, I just had to admit, like, my, my entire life had to be practical. Um, I couldn't, like, you know, I, I couldn't, like, go to college and study some, like, some fancy degree where my prospects for making money afterwards was low. Like, like my every move has to be practical. So that I think just made me like some person that is really realistic. I don't, I don't, um, you know, I still have like dreams and like fantasy ideas and so on, but I had to make sure that I first solve the, the realistic things. Let me make money. Let me be able to pay my bills pay my mortgage. Let me handle these core things. And then, I, then only after that, I can then go after the more fancy things, more yeah. fanciful ideas. So I, I think, yes, probably how I was raised because I had no choice. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about and and in the bio of the podcast and wherever else I post this, I will link your Twitter handle because you do have resources and threads that are very valuable. And you talk a little bit about WordPress themes and you talk a little bit about outsourcing can you talk about outsourcing for projects and hiring developers overseas and utilizing WordPress themes to get your site going? Yes. So that's something that I, I, man, I'm glad you brought this up because that was how I started. So what I figured out is like the barriers to entry for building an online business are remarkably low. Like people that are listening to this now, there is no better time to be alive if you want to become an entrepreneur. Back, let's say back in the 70s or 80s or even early 90s, you probably had to have like $50,000. Now, you can start something with $59. That's the cost of a WordPress theme. Yeah. $59 and then I'll pay someone like $10 on Fiverr to install it for me and I'm open for business, right? So, <clears throat> so knowing that, that, that's how I started. 
to be creative, WordPress themes. I use sites like Upwork. Back in the day, it used to be called Script Lance. Well, part of it was called Script Lance. And I will find people in my Spain or um, South America or other places that could do some work for me at rates that I could afford. <laughs> because I'm not technical. I've built all this stuff without even being able to code, but I know how to, you know, talk to people, tell them what I'm trying to build, build it. But yeah, just what you said, you can start a business with less than a hundred bucks by just getting your WordPress theme up, getting your domain and posting on Facebook groups, posting on Twitter and to tell your story. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about two things out of that. What is a WordPress theme for those that don't know? So I, I'm a developer, so I know, but there's there's many people that don't know what a WordPress theme is and the power of WordPress themes. So mm-hmm. from, from my experience, if you want to create Fiverr or Upwork, you can get a WordPress theme that's just like Fiverr or Upwork. If you want to yeah. create eBay, you can get a WordPress theme that is exactly like eBay. Whatever website you want to create, you can get a WordPress theme that is exactly like that website. Is is that right? That's absolutely right. Absolutely spot on. Um, so, so WordPress is essentially a content management system. And a content management system is just how you are able to edit your website. Um, depending on what frame the website is built on is how you are able to edit and build upon it and so on. WordPress is probably the most popular one. And there are probably I, well over a million themes, yeah. like, like hundreds and hundreds of thousands <laughs> of themes for every industry you could imagine yeah. that are pre-built and you can just have them installed and start to, to, to edit them and make them yours in like one click. Um, it's, it's, it's a remarkable thing, yeah. And why is why is this method really important? You you spoke about you don't have to be technical anymore. So are you saying people don't have to learn how to code? Is that what you're saying? Yes, I, and I know this is sometimes hard for developers to hear, <laughs> but um, I would say like so say you are trying to build a building and that's kind of how I look at it. I'm going to build a building or build a, build a home, right? So I need like an architect, some person to design what that home likes. I would start with a designer and that person would create the designs for me. Then I need folks to come to take those designs and make them come to life, you know, installing the, the door building the bricks and laying the foundation and pouring the cement and all that work. For me, that work is, is, is very much analogous to development work, which is critical that you can't build it without a developer. But my point is that that person does not have to be you if you're building it. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't have to be you. Yeah. Yeah. You can instead focus on marketing and customer acquisition and those things, find the best developer that you find to do that work, the best designer, and go on to get your customers and start to make money and build your business. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about marketing and acquiring potential users? So 
you did mention about Facebook groups and you mentioned about using Twitter. So what does someone do? If, if someone's listening to this and they start, um, I'm trying to think of a company. Well, uh, one of my, one of my clients made a bundles, they sell hair. And so they sell a hair company and maybe it's, I don't know, a subscription box hair company. Let's just say, how do they get their first, let's say 50 customers or 50 signups or 50 users? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, I'm, so I'm glad you asked that because I actually grew a subscription box business as well. And these are kind of the steps that I would take um, for almost any business. First question is, who are the people that are most likely to buy this? Not like who, not stuff like my demographic research, not like I kind of like skip all that stuff and say, who are the human beings that are likely to, to, to pull out their credit card and buy this? Then my second question is, where do those human beings spend their time online? Is it a forum? Is it a Facebook group? Is it a Reddit group? Is it Hacker News? Is it Medium? A Craigslist? Like, where are they spending time online? Then my next question is, what type of content do they like to consume? And, they, and, and that not something that I have to get because I can go to the platform and see the content that, that is most engaging for those people. So one, who are they? Two, where are they? Three, what do they like? So once I know those three things, I can start to create content that I already like. And then that content, it always ends with a link back to my website or a link back to my Facebook group or whatever I'm trying to promote. And that process, if you build really valuable content, is going to get you your your, your first 30, 40, or 50 signups. Um, no question. Because I've just I've done it over and over again. And what's uh what was your subscription box business? Yeah. A company called Wet Shave Co. And that was um shaving products um delivered monthly. Yeah. And the type of content that you created, well, what type of content was that? So, I'm glad you asked that question. Oh, the content varies. A lot of times, I like to do really transparent content where I'm saying, you know what, watch me as I'm building this business. Mm. Or, hey guys, this is what we're building. Here's our, cha- our challenges. I'm going to peel back the layers and show you exactly what we've done so far show you where we got our products we're going to share everything with you here's the process and you know if you if if you've enjoyed this um for more or here's a look at our products or whatever and people really like content where you are inviting them with so much value that they almost feel compelled (laughs) so that that works well um and then you you know you can do some like the top 10 blah 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 content or video interviews or um sending your product to people that review products so you can get like a a review from them and then you can share that review in other places so there's a bunch of different types of content but that first transparent one is is really really powerful so for somebody selling hair they could do mm-hmm. content on how to make a wig. If somebody's selling some kind of uh, facial products, they can do content on how to do your facial or how to create uh, your own facial mask. Yes. Ooh. I'm glad you said that because very often 
people that are selling, so say you're selling hair and then you're saying, okay, I'm going to give you a how to make wigs um, content. People sometimes say, well, if I teach people how to do it, they're not going to want to buy from me. That's what we sometimes think. The mm -hmm. opposite is true. Opposite is true. When you teach people what you provide, all that does is it makes you an expert in their eyes. Like you become the already, you become the person that trusts even more to provide them with that server product. So um, it's super powerful, super powerful. So yeah, teach them, teach them how to do it. They're like, man, Rohan is, is the guy when it comes to this particular thing. Whenever I want this particular thing, because he's been so kind and, and providing so much value to me, I'm going to go to his website and I'm going to make a purchase. And I'm going to tell other people about, about him as well. So yeah, that works, man. And my last question is what three final tips do you have for somebody to start? If they want to start a business, I would stay today, but let's say if they want to start a business this week, what are the three things they need to do to get started? Um, yeah, so for me, starting a business is like, you, you, you kind of have to solve three things. I'm, glad, I'm actually glad you said three things because I feel that you have to solve three things. <laughs> yeah. The first thing you have to solve is your mindset. You got to find that voice that's always telling you, no, it's not going to work or telling you, no, there's too much competition or telling you like what, what you failed or I can't pull this off or I don't know anything about this space or whatever those things are. You got to find a way to kill that. You got to find a way to kill that. Think back about all the things that you've accomplished in your life, all the things that you started doing that you had no idea how to do when you first started. But now you know, you got to like put yourself back in that space and just think that business is just one more of those things. Like, at one point, we had no idea how to use Facebook, but now it's, it's like everybody knows how to do it. Yeah. And it's same thing with business. You just, you just got to like, okay, let me get past that thing and just get in and learn. So mindset, first thing. Um, the second thing for me is um, basically creating like... Um, like, like figuring out what that thing is that, that you, you're going to sell. Um, and that has to be a real thing. And so I go through this process where I say, okay, is it something that can provide me with recurring revenue? Because that way, even if I mess up, I, I can still grow this business. If I'm, if I'm not a great marketer, I can still grow this business to, to a large company if there's recurring revenue. Meaning every time someone buys from me, they buy multiple times. So I, I kind of go through this process of narrowing down whatever that product and just make sure it's something that people actively spend <laughs> millions of dollars on every year. So first step, solve your mindset. The second step, find your niche, make sure the real thing that people spend money on. And then the third step, the, the third step is really the easiest step. And that's kind of like building your, your customer generation engine and your website, your checkout form has to be seamless. It integrates seamlessly with your credit card processor, whatever that last part of what happens when people get to your website, all that has to be right. Once you have those three things in place, all you have to do now is just tell your story, tell your story, tell it over and over again, and you're going to build a, a real business. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to emphasize two things. Like, I really, two things in the whole conversation really resonated with me. The first thing is what you said a, a short while ago about seeing what you have and finding a business that matches what you currently have. But you also just mentioned about focusing on particular types of businesses. So a one-time purchase, that's not going to give you a, kind of a sustainable cushion to grow even if you mess up. So focus on businesses that prefer, that can bring in reoccurring revenue. Is that is mm-hmm. that's that's what you would recommend? Reoccurring revenue and something that's probably leaning on the the side of high ticket items. Um, yes, that is a, a powerful combination. And so for me, I've realized this, and this is like, if you spend, if you find a customer that's going to spend $5 with you, it takes the same effort to find a customer that's going to spend $5 with you. So you can as well, yeah. <laughs> you can as well make sure that item is, is, is valuable enough to make it worthwhile. I, I guess recurring revenue is, is just like spend um thousands with you versus spending um 10 bucks one time so those two things will will really help yeah you don't have to say uh, unless you're comfortable with how much exactly you charged initially for the software one thing i do i do see in forums is that people are scared to charge the thousands and is that it, do people have reason to be scared? Because you did mention you did mention thousand. Let's say if I produce a software, charging a thousand a month is that too high, too low? I know pricing can be a very hard thing for people to to figure out how to get right. Yeah. So what I do around pricing is this because I only build businesses where there is competition and successful competition i can go look and see what the competition is doing okay show me the top five SaaS businesses in this space here is the median of their monthly price and if that median is like 99 dollars or whatever i feel comfortable charging 99 dollars per month but but yeah i definitely look at what my competition is doing and get some ideas i mean i don't let let them drive my pricing but by doing that, I can have an idea of how much, how my customers appraise the value that I'm going to be pro- um, providing to them because I can see how they appraise that value already by what my uh, what the audience are doing. Once you do that, you get your pricing. And then, and one more thing too, pricing is not, people think it's something that is like, it's like the Bible or something, like you, 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 you write it once and you're stuck. Um, I changed, I've changed pricing probably like 20 times for one company. It doesn't really matter. So you can test and see what works. So I, I, I don't get stuck with pricing. I just get a number going, get the business out there, and you will learn what to price it at as you build the business and get more experience. Yeah. Yeah, I want to thank you, Rohan. Your insight has been amazing. It's very different to what a lot of my my listeners would generally hear, especially in the tech related fields. We are, we're kind of caught in this bubble of 
investment, pitching, you know, big exits for millions and millions and billions. But your story proves that today, this week, this month, in six months time, you can hit that million dollar mark without doing all the investing, getting the investments or you don't need the investment. You don't need hundreds. You can start with under a hundred dollars. And if you're a developer, even less. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers. Developers, developers, developers.